Coming up on this episode of the Ad Sales Nation podcast, our main topic this month is going to be nine ways to avoid the summer sales slump. What do I mean by that? You're probably like me sitting here in your office, looking out the window, beautiful day, and you're like, man, I'd be rather rather be doing anything than selling today. How do we avoid the summer sales slump? Then we got some great listener questions. We're going to kick off the show uh, today with a great uh, listener question uh, from one of our listeners, Tom Field. And Tom's got a, a great question uh, for us. And then we're going to pose some questions to Mike from Openlook, who's been selling a long time. We've got questions also from Wayne in Nashville, Tracy in San Diego, and Brian in Grand Rapids. And of course, our friend Charity Huff is going to be here. We're talking about geofencing local and national events. That's coming up next on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends, if you sell media just like me every day, you are a part of the ad sales nation. You're a citizen, a bona fide resident. And every month we get together and we talk about, uh, you know, questions, issues, topics, problems um, that we observe out there in ad sales land. You know, selling advertising is so different than everything else that's sold out there. People say to me all the time, Ryan, I read this book by so-and-so or... I listen to this podcast by such and such, and they just don't get it. Media is so different. And you're right, friends. Media is very, very different. Why is the media sale so much different than every other sale? I'll I'll tell you why. Because for the most part, most other things, you sell it once and uh, you kind of set it and you forget it. Uh, A lot of times you'll sell something in the software business and you turn it over to somebody else uh, for them to go and take care of it. In the media business, we have to constantly be reselling to the same advertisers over and over again. And that's such an important piece as we talk about two things today. One, uh, this question from Tom, but then also nine ways to avoid uh, the summer sales slump. Because what we're doing is repetitive selling. I call it, we live on the perpetual hamster wheel from hell. (laughs) And people say all the time, Ryan, there's got to be a way for us to get off this hamster wheel. Well, you're never going to get off the hamster wheel, but maybe you could figure out how to slow it down considerably to reduce uh, stress. So what I wanted to do today is start off with uh, one of our loyal listeners, Tom Field. Tom, thanks so much uh, for sending in uh, your question. And uh, Tom is from Salem, Virginia. And Tom, we really appreciate you uh, uh, sending in a question. Great question here as we talk about this uh, summer sales slump. So here's Tom's um, here's Tom's question. Uh, Ryan, we operate a media outlet in a smaller market and have done so for three decades. Therefore, uh, we're often working with the same advertiser base year after year after year. I'm with you, brother. Our renewal and retention rate has been pretty strong. We maintain a very positive reputation and leadership standing. Awesome. However, we can't help but wonder if there are ways to mix it up or introduce new offerings uh, to to our loyal base. We perform and and deliver to expectations, but it's not practical to assume those expectations will never change. We're primarily a print journal, a little dabbling in digital and some events. Ryan, what are some ideas? Tom, great question. Thanks um, for for sending it in. I think that, you know, that old saying that if you're not growing, you're dying is somewhat true in almost all circumstances. And so what I'm always doing is I'm constantly searching for new things, new ways, new opportunities that we can deliver for our advertisers. Tom, one of the things I'd love for you guys to consider is putting together an advertiser advisory board. 
There's really no reason to invent things in a vacuum, Tom. It's really not. So an advertiser advisory board is a board of about 10 uh, advertisers you put together. Maybe a couple times a year, you buy them a nice lunch. Maybe you trade that out uh, someplace there locally where you can bring those folks together. And you want on that board of 10 people, you want five people that love you. You know, five people that no matter what you do, pretty much they'll buy about whatever it is that you're selling. And then the last five, though, you want to get some of your tough advertisers on that board. Now, you don't want someone that's going to run their mouth nonstop for the entire meeting, but you don't want somebody that maybe is one of those critical people, maybe a devil's advocate, maybe somebody that likes to push the envelope a little bit, maybe somebody that likes to debate. The worst thing you can do, friends, is put together an advertiser advisory board of 10 advertisers that love you because you're not going to get really good feedback and good challenges. When you get your advertiser advisory board together, you want to talk about what's new with their businesses. What are things that you can do to help their business? What are things that they're thinking about? What are things that they're hearing out there? I believe if we had had an advertiser advisory board in place before Facebook really, really hit the market in a massive, massive way, I think as advertising uh, executives, we would have had a little bit easier time transitioning uh, into the Facebook space. We just didn't realize our advertisers were going to jump all over it the way that they did. An advertiser advisory board, you should show them your sales kits. You should show them your media kits. Always talk about new products, new ideas, new things that you're thinking of doing. And it's the essence of my book, Selling Backwards. Now, Selling Backwards was written five, six years ago. Lots of things have changed. So I'm in the process of writing two books right now. One is tentatively called The Sales Trifecta, and the other is called Closing the Excuse Factory. (laughs) And one of the things we covered, though, in the Selling Backwards book was understanding that to sell more, you need to sell less. What I mean by that is you need to sit in that advertiser's chair. You need to sit with that advertiser and be asking them, okay, what are things that we can do? What can we create for you? What are what are advertising programs that we can come up with that'll help you? Or, hey, we were just at a conference. We heard this really smart guy talking um, at the niche conference. And we heard this smart guy talking and, and he said this and this and this. We're thinking of launching it here in our market. What do you think about that? What do you, what do you think of that idea? The Advertiser Advisory Board, uh, Tom, will drive more quality conversations with your advertisers. After all, that really is who you're selling to. And when you have these conversations, be open. Don't be defensive. Now, what you don't want to do is if you're a publisher or something like that out there listening to the podcast, what you don't want to do is when someone criticizes your media or your media product, you don't want to jump on the defensive train. No, no, no. We don't want to do that because when you jump on the defensive train, then all of a sudden they don't want to talk anymore. So a lot of times I don't have the publishers as a part of the advertiser advisory board. They might say a few words and then step out of the room and declare, I'm not going to be sitting here. (laughs) So you guys can say anything that you want. The worst thing you can have is a defensive person uh, there from your company. So Tom, I hope that's helpful. I hope you'll consider the advertiser advisory board, but where do you come up with ideas? Well, you go to things like the uh, newspaper revenue conference in Austin. You go to the niche magazine conference, um, you know, that uh, you can find online. And uh, last year they were in uh, Nashville. Um, you look at all kinds of different opportunities through local media associations to bring people together. And Tom, I think what you're going to find is that you've got, uh, you know, you've got a scenario there that you're going to find to be very, uh, very, Uh, helpful. So good question, Tom. Hey, friends, we've got um, uh, more questions from Wayne from uh, Nashville. Um, He's an older rep looking how to fit in a little bit better. Tracy from San Diego. 
wants us to talk about texting prospects. Brian from Grand Rapids is all stressed out. And uh, so here, in just a couple of minutes, uh, Mike from Open Look Communications, or Open Look Business Solutions, rather, will join us. He's been selling for almost 30 years, and he's going to dissect uh, those questions as well. All right, what's coming up next year on the show? Nine ways to avoid the summer sales slump. Uh, that'll be coming up next. So if you would, just stick around just for 60 seconds. And uh, these are sponsors that support the show and also sponsors that support the industry that we love so much, the media business. So, all right, friends, we'll be back in 60 seconds with more here from the Ad Sales Nation podcast. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at MagazineManager.com or NewspaperManager.com. Open Look Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, marketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. Thanks so much, Deborah. Appreciate it very, very much. I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach if I couldn't sell my own podcast, right? <laughs> so take care of those folks that uh, take care of you. All right. Uh, the main topic, nine ways to avoid the summer sales slump. What do I mean, uh, mean by that? You know, I talked about it a little bit in the introduction. It's that time of year where you're looking out the window and it's uh, it's nice outside. You know, even here in South Carolina, I look out the window and I'm like, man, it's just really nice out there today. And if you've got a pool, you're looking at your pool. Or if you've got a, a garden, you're looking at the garden. Or if you're in a corporate building, you're just looking out and seeing other people not in the office. <laughs> or you're looking at the park across the street and you're like, oh, man, you know. I know I was working uh, with uh, Future, um, which is a big media company, B2B group and consumer group in New York City. And um, they've, their office is right across the street from Bryant Park. And I thought, man, I could never go out at lunchtime over to Bryant Park because I just never want to come back to work, even though it's an amazing company. So the summer sales slump also is, occurs with a lot of companies where, you know, people just go dark during the summertime. Advertisers just go dark. I mean, they, you know, quite honestly, they're just not around. They're on vacation or doing stuff with their kiddos and things like that. So the summer sales slump can set in right about now. So let me share with you nine things that I do to avoid that slump. Number one of nine, I really go back to my sales math. And my sales math is so critical for me. Number one, I rethink my sales math. And what I mean by that is you need to know how many phone calls and emails do you need to send to a new prospect to be able to get a meeting with them. And then once you get a meeting with somebody, how many meetings do you have to have to, to get to a deal? And then how many deals do you need to get to goal? That, that's your sales math. That's your call to close ratios. Now, see, I know um, that I need to work at least 40 people um, if I'm going to get 20 meetings a month. And out of those 20 meetings a month, hopefully I'll close about half of them, which will be about 10 deals. And I'm pretty good at sales, but I'm no genius when it comes to it. I just recognize that sales math is important. So when I'm looking out that window and I'm like, oh, man, I'd rather be out to you know, on the lake or whatever, I just ask myself, all right, Ryan, get back to your sales math. Get back to it. You have calls to make, which leads me to number two, and that's understanding persistence. Persistence is the catalyst for luck. Persistence is the catalyst for luck. 
People say all the time, you know, the more you golf, the luckier, luckier you get. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The more calls you make, the more emails you send. Typically, that's the catalyst for sales luck. But you got to know your sales math first. And then you really got to understand what level of persistence you are really bringing to the table. I suggest to you, as I will in the sales trifecta book that I'm working on, um, another plug there for that one. Uh, that's two, Ryan, in the show, is that I'm operating on patterns of three. And what I mean by that is I'm reaching out to people, voicemail, email, every three business days. It's polite. It's persistent enough to get in front of people, but I like the rule of three. So I follow the rule of three in almost everything I do in addition to persistence. So when I feel myself getting into that summer sales slump, I go back to my patterns. I look at my math. I start reaching out to people every three days in an effort to get a meeting with them. Number three of nine, avoiding the summer sales slump. I'm always focusing on value-based selling. I always come back to value-based selling. People, a lot of times, will sell based on the features, advantages, and benefits of their product or service. Not me. I'm focusing on value-based selling. What value do I bring to this situation? What value do I bring to this conversation? Every conversation I'm lucky enough to have with an advertiser, I'm thinking to myself, what value do I bring to this conversation? Am I researched? Am I ready to go? What value do I bring to this client just in general? What value do I bring to them from a CPM perspective? My conversations are always around value-based selling. Number four, avoiding that slump. When you fill a need, you will guarantee a sale. So I'm always looking for needs. When you fill a need, you will guarantee a sale. Now, I'm not asking a bunch of old questions like, tell me about your business or, you know, what keeps you up at night? I'm not asking questions like that. What I'm doing is I'm asking questions like, if we could help you bring in the perfect customer, what would that customer look like? Uh, what's the lifetime value of a new customer to you? If I could bring just one great customer, what would they look like and what would their value be to you? I might ask a question that you've heard me mention a thousand times, and that question is, when you think about advertising in this market or in this business sector, in this industry, do you want to have kind of a, a you know, a presence or... You know, do you want to be a little more competitive or, I mean, are you looking to dominate this industry? So what I'm doing is I'm trying to find a need. I'm trying to find a need. If I can figure out their need, I can guarantee a sale. So you've got to ask, you know, what, what are the biggest needs that you have? If I could solve a problem for you today, what would that problem be? And you'd be surprised. Sometimes they'll tell you flat out what it is. Number five, I'm blocking out time for success. <laughs> I'm just blocking it out. See, when your calendar doesn't dictate your day, your inbox will dictate your day. And I don't want that. I want my calendar to dictate my day. I want to fill that calendar with meetings and tasks that are super important to me. And one of those tasks is new business development. So I'm blocking out time for that. Every day, 11 o'clock and 4 o'clock, I'm blocking it out. Why 11? Well, because most people don't book meetings before lunch. Why 4? Most people don't book meetings before going home. So I use 11 and 4 as my time blocks to avoid that summer slump and just get to it. Some days you got to fake it till you feel it. You know what I mean? Number six, I'm recognizing that I'm probably going to have to increase my non-sales touch points as well. Number six of nine, I'm realizing that I'm probably going to need to increase my non-sales touch points as well. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you're a salesperson and every time you call on somebody, you're trying to sell them something, you're a salesperson. You're not a consultant. You're a salesperson. So what I like to do about half the time when I'm reaching out to clients is 
Offer them something of value. Offer them some type of advice or a thought or share a link with them I found to a video or an article or follow them on Google Alerts. Point out things you've seen online, you know, things things like that. It's important. You know, when you're in a slump, you need to be reaching out to people, not always in selling ways, but in non-sales ways. Remember something from that Selling Backwards book. I find that the less I sell, the more I sell. And that's why non-sales touches are so unbelievably important. All right, idea number seven. I'm always looking for ways that I can change around my subject lines and my emails and track those. Now, one of the things that I didn't mention before that I think is super important to mention, and that is I use voicemail to get people to respond to my email. See, some of you, you're so old school that you're like, oh, I'm going to be leaving a voicemail for somebody and they're going to call me back. Come on, man. I mean, let's just be honest, friends. Do advertisers actually call you back? If they do, you're fortunate. That's awesome. For me, I use voicemail to drive people to my emails. And my email subject lines are tested. I love them. Some of the ones that I use on a regular basis would be the date of a date that I want to meet with them, phone or in person. Sometimes I'll say new idea for you. Sometimes I'll say three things to consider. And I'll list out three, you know, three things. Whatever the subject lines are, I'm not including the name of my media company. Um, that, to me, is a surefire way of being deleted. I'm trying to spark some interest with them um, about your Facebook page, saw on your Facebook page, as seen on your website. All of those type of things prove relevance. I'm always looking for subject lines that will help me with relevance, showing that I'm relevant uh, to somebody. Now, I don't like bait and switches now. Come on. We don't like that. No one likes that. About those pictures. Come on, really? Uh, free lunch? Question mark. Okay, if you're not offering a free lunch, it's not a good subject line. The name of your media company? Nope. Your name? Not necessarily needed. Your client's name? Probably not needed. Subject, subject line should prove relevance. Uh, for example, if you're dealing with a company that sells a particular serial numbered product like ZD520, you know, make that the name of a subject line. Or the name of one of their competitors. That will really raise their blood pressure. Be looking at subject lines. If you're trying to get out of a slump, a slump, look at your subject lines and then uh, go over to 360adsales.com. I've got a webinar that's 20 tested subject lines and you can find that over at 360adsales.com, a free webinar to you that was uh, brought to you by our friends over at uh, the magazine manager. So check that out. Number eight of nine, getting out of that summer sales slump or avoiding it altogether, asking for referrals. Number eight, asking for referrals. And what do I mean by that? I'm always asking for referrals. Whether I win business or lose business, I always ask for a referral. So if someone says, I'm not interested, oh man, that's a shame. I really wanted to work with you. Um, well, just out of curiosity, do you know of another business owner um, that you think would be, this, this? they would really like this idea? Um, and a lot of times they'll give you the name of somebody because they want to get you off the phone or get you out of their office. Local or national, I would potentially do the same thing. Now, if you win, win business from somebody, uh, hello, then you need to ask them for a referral. Always be asking for referrals. It's one of the things that just, in my opinion, is so uh, very, very important. Now, number nine, and then we'll run through them real briefly again. Number nine is I really want you to consider updating your objection scripts. Consider updating your objection scripts. Um, what do I mean by that? Well, you should have a scripted answer basically to every objection you could potentially ever receive in your industry or market. So you want to be looking at that objection script and asking yourself, well, 
You know, do I need to update this? Because if you can't handle the most basic objections you get on a regular basis, and if you don't have those answers written down, you're going to end up in a slump because you're going to get caught in a bit of a trap. All right, so let's run through these ideas one more time. Number one, rethink your sales math. You know, get intimate with your call to close ratios. Number two, understand persistence. It's the catalyst for luck. You've got to be politely persistent. Focus on value-based selling. Number three, number four, find a need and you're guaranteed a sale. So dig in with some good questions. Block out time for success and block out time for that selling. So unbelievably important. Number six, increase your non-sales touches. Don't just always be selling to people. Reach out in a non-sales way. Number seven, rethink your subject lines. Maybe there's some new ones that you should be trying. Number eight, ask for referrals, whether you win business or lose business. And then number nine, make sure you're always updating your objection scripts. You know, friends, there's so many things that we can do in the ad sales business to be bigger, better, and better. Just remember, if you're not growing, you're potentially dying out there. So always be open to new ideas and to new suggestions. All right, coming up, the listener questions I've promised from Wayne and Tracy and Brian. Mike Olbert's coming up, as well as a a charity huff from January spring. We'll be here with our tech tip of the month. We'll be right back in 60 seconds here on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the Magazine Manager and the Newspaper Manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at MagazineManager.com or NewspaperManager.com. Open Look Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now, back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends, as you know, one of my favorite parts of the podcast each and every month is your listener questions. So uh, always thrilled when I have the opportunity to have Mike uh, who's uh, one of the founders of Open Look Business Solutions uh, with us. And, um, Mike, I've got three good questions for you. And, um, you know, together, gosh, I guess our combined sales experience would probably be, let's just say, well over 40, 40 years. <laughs> That's, yeah, we've been doing it a long time, Ryan, a long time. Yeah, so that's just, uh, you know, fair to fair to say. So, hey, why don't we answer a couple questions, and I'd love to find out what you guys have uh, going on at, uh, at, at Open Look. Um, but, friends, keep your questions coming in uh, to Ryan at RyanDoran.com, D-O-H-R-N, Ryan at RyanDoran.com. So, all right, Mike, here is our first question, Wayne from Nashville. Uh, Ryan, I'm struggling to be a part of my sales team. I'm 55 years old and feel like I'm being left behind when it comes to technology and sales techniques. Uh, any any advice? Uh, f- first, first, Wayne, I'd have to say that 55 isn't old. Um, now, Mike, maybe you consider that to be old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, and I'm close to that 55 number, So, uh, but I, I'm going by 50 is the new 30. There, there you go. Now, I have found with the teams that I work with, I hire millennials. I hire people over the age of 60. I hire people because of what they bring to the table, not because of their age. Now, what I've noticed, though, is that sometimes people over the age of 50 kind of you, you just don't want to try. Now, Wayne, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes 
you have to try to be a part of the team because they're they're only going to accept you to your level of of actually trying. So, for example, even though Game of Thrones is now um, over, I got into Game of Thrones because a younger member of my team had said, you don't watch Game of Thrones. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I, the oldest guy here? So I started watching and enjoyed the program and you know, really had something to talk about. So as you hear maybe people younger than you talking about things on Netflix or, you know, something like that. Uh, check it out so you can be involved, you know, in the in the conversation. But I also feel like sometimes people try too hard um, to be to be young and just, you know, kind of be your be yourself. What yeah, are you no, thinking? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that, Ryan. But also when he was talking about technology and how he thinks technology is getting left behind. I mean, technology is changing so fast mm-hmm. right now that you could even say the the 35 or 30 year old sales rep is having to learn new things all the time. So. I don't think it's anything new, whether you're 35 or 55 uh, with technology, that there's just going to be new things that are coming out. You just got to try it and test it and not mm-hmm. be scared of it, but just jump mm-hmm. all in. Yeah. And, you know, there's websites like lynda.com where you can, if you're not able to keep up with what's happening on the Internet, you can go to online classes as it relates to that. And the other thing is this. I have found with people that are younger than me, so I'm 46, people that are younger than me, if I just say, hey, I can't figure this out. Could you help me? And I found that they will help you. I mean, they will take you. They, they're very happy to help you and are very willing to be uh, to be helpful. The other thing is, you know, webinars, uh, podcasts, any type of education that you anything you can do uh, to keep up. So there's tons of podcasts that I do, uh, webinars that uh, myself, other companies do subscribe to e-newsletters, uh, whether it's if you need marketing information, go to emarketer.com. Sign up for the right. daily newsletters, uh, you know, and, and things like that. Mike, do you read a lot of newsletters? Do you get a lot of newsletters? I do. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Nice. Uh, I read a lot of e-newsletters. Um, if there's topics that that I'm a little uh, not scared of, but I want to get a little bit more information, I YouTube a lot. And, uh, you know, you can get a, a lot of information off of YouTube and how to use things and how to do certain things on different devices or or stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, for me, I feel like education is just a never ending game. And the older I get, I feel like the people around me are younger and younger. Um, so Wayne, you're definitely not alone. Um, so I'm not saying that you need to go out and, um, you know, listen to every piece of music that, uh, every person 32 years old is listening to, but, um, at least, you know, make a real valiant effort, uh, to try to be a part, to uh, be a part of the, of the game. And hopefully, hopefully that'll work out. Hopefully that'll work out. So, okay. So, uh, next question here, uh, Tracy from San Diego. I'm thinking of using text as a sales prospecting tool, but I am a bit nervous. Do any of your clients use mobile texting as a sales tool? So just to be clear, Tracy, if if I'm following your question, you're thinking about texting clients that don't know you probably in a prospecting manner. And I would say you being a bit nervous about it is probably the correct feeling Mike, you know, maybe you could chime in. You get a lot more people selling you as a big time business owner. Um, how do you feel about if you didn't know the person and they were texting you in the sales process? Big time business owner. Um, I would uh, I would probably shy away from somebody that's sending me a text um, as a prospect. So um, I would think that if you are using texting as a tool, which I think it is a definite tool, but you probably need to get permission from that person. And that permission, whether it's a, uh, an email that has their uh, cell phone number and their signature or something like that. But as far as like a first time trying to contact somebody, 
Um, I would I would probably shy away from using text. Yeah. Now, now, what about if it's on their business card, though? You know, you sometimes they'll put their cell phone on their business card. I mean, I think if you're meeting somebody and, and they give you the business card, that's almost like giving you the permission to use, hey, here's every way to communicate with me on that card. So I, I would say that that's OK. If you're picking up a business card and you really haven't met the person, uh, then I would probably shy away from it. But uh, that's, yeah. that's just me. I, I, I yeah. would think, though. If you are doing it, that you're a ultra aggressive salesperson and sales rep and somebody that I might want to hire. Now, I mean, I say to people all the time, we don't have any room for wimps, you know, right now in the sales business. But I also feel like there's a certain, I guess the word intimacy, that's probably overblowing it. But intimacy that comes from texting somebody, usually that's more of a, a private thing. So my thought, Tracy, is if it's just kind of what Mike said, if you know the person, you've met him at a trade show and you said, hey, do you mind if I drop you a text? And they say, sure. I don't necessarily think it's that big of a deal. So here's my thought. Exhaust all other avenues before you text somebody (laughs) and then then say, I I would say like in a text, hey, Mike, um, Ryan Dorn here at such and such company. Um, um, I tried to email and call you, um, wasn't able to get through. And so I was just reaching out via text to see if we could meet about such, such and such, or, or did you get that email that I sent? Yeah, and I so, agree with that. Something like that. Te- now, text will get through the clutter. I mean, it will definitely get through the clutter. It will. It will. I think one of the things that's interesting, if you're in a business where you don't have to resell somebody, you're not as likely to need to worry about this. If you're in the media business, software business, a business where you have to resell people, you want to be kind of careful about the first impression that you give to people in uh, in true. some cases. But hey, we got to do what we got to do uh, to try to cut through the uh, cut through the clutter. What do you think in any given month, Mike? How many solicitations via text? Being a business owner, do you get m- many or not many or? Ooh, um, not many. Okay, uh, and, and but I would say though the people that are texting me that are within the business that would be either a vendor of ours or a customer. Um, I would you know, consider that those people I have personal relationships with, yeah. as opposed to being just a you know a a sales call or a sales right. tool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, as a follow up tool, I think it's great because I would prefer someone text me than try to call. So as a follow up tool, I think it's you know really fantastic, especially if you get their uh, you know get their permission uh, as right. well. So it's cool. But uh, these are good questions. Yeah, great questions. Um, so Mike, you know, these are good sales questions and I know you guys are just do a lot of work in the sales business and, and data business. Um, you know, what are some of the big projects that you guys are, are working on now that, um, you know, some of these folks uh, could relate to? Yeah, Ryan, I appreciate it. Yes. At open look, we are doing, uh, some lead generation pro- projects, uh, where we are turning over the rocks for people. Um, our agents are doing 150 to 200 phone calls per day and warming up leads for, uh, different types of companies that are out there. We're also doing a lot of data work uh, where we're doing either database cleanups, data pin, uh, building lists for customers. So nice. if you have any of those needs, uh, give me a call. Excellent. Excellent. So you can find uh, Mike and I've been working together. Mike's team handles all of my social media on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. If you need anything like that, uh, you can find them online at open look dot com open dash look.com so well mike cool man thanks for uh thanks for hanging out and uh, answering some uh, some questions with us ryan it's always a pleasure always a good time and i uh, can't wait to see you on the road again absolutely mike thanks so much for your support appreciate it
All right, friends, it is time to talk about advertising technology ad tech tip of the month. And as always, thrilled uh, to have Charity Huff from January Spring. And um, Charity, it was great to see you uh, at the uh, City and Regional Magazine Conference. So definitely um, you're out there practicing what you're preaching. So I thought that was a great conference up in Minneapolis. It was a really great conference. The weather, not so great, but the conference was amazing. <laughs> One of the things we talked about um, in some of, some of our sessions as it relates to programmatic, uh, which is one of your specialties, is really around events, talking about um, the programmatic geofencing, et cetera, that we can do at different events. Love if you would um, share with our listeners just a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, the event targeting piece to me is uh, overlooked a lot of times when we're working with a, a local sales team where they'll forget to add that tactic into what they're proposing for their advertiser. And if you think of it, especially as we come into the summer months, there are a lot of great events in your local community where you're going to have an opportunity to capture an audience that's really important to your client. Mm -hmm. So don't overlook what's going on. Um, to, for the kickoff of summer, for 4th of July, the music festivals, the food festivals, and then even some more niche um, activities, mm -hmm. whether it's um, if you're a parent magazine and you're looking at some of the kids focus festivals and things of that nature, or if you are looking at um, the bridal shows or things of that nature as well. Yeah. And so I guess whether it's a local event or even a national trade show, if for those of you that are not following what we're talking about, the ability to electronically draw a perimeter around an event and then target people um, while they're at the event or for 30 days after the event is really what we're talking about. So, Charity, I had a customer that was a national customer. They geofenced a trade show and then mm -hmm. they said to their advertisers uh, for the next 30 days, anybody that walks into this trade show, we can deliver their advertising uh, to mobile devices, etc., so I imagine it's the exact same thing for a local event. It's ex it is the exact same thing. Our advice is always plan and break event targeting into three discrete uh, marketing opportunities. Okay. So before the event, if you're trying to drive people to an event or making people aware of, of an event or making people that are attending event aware of your business, how do you want to market to them? And then at the event itself, have a very specific message that's really brand heavy with a very easy call to action and let us help you capture all of the devices that are at that event. And then after the event for the next 30 days, let's remarket to the people that were just at that event with a very specific offer or message. And because you're, you're being so targeted in who you're reaching, it's only the people that attend that event. You can be really specific in what that offer is. So like, for example, if you're targeting folks at a summer music festival um, and it's a restaurant, then make sure that you reference the music festival or the concert that was there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or something that ties back because it, it's as a result of their love of that music that you're even reaching them. No, it makes sense. And for some of my national people, um, I have a couple folks that just recently had, uh, they went to actually one of their competitors' trade Those shows. Are the funnest, yes. Yeah. So, friends, don't forget, let's just say you don't own the event, but it is one of your magazine, newspaper, or whatever, one of your competitors' events. You can still geofence that. There's nothing that stops that. And you can still serve your messaging as a publisher or your advertising messaging to people before, during, and after that event as well. And someone the other day said, well, that just seems 
you know, kind of creepy. And I said, yeah, it's creepy, kind of cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, because you're hitting the people that would have an interest in your magazine, in your sponsors. And that's the other piece that I love is that you can put together sponsorship packages for those big national advertisers where uh, you are helping them promote themselves at the event to the people that are attending the trade show and then capturing those devices for them and helping them to remarket after that always flies really well and performs so well almost all of the campaigns that come through for us with the big national guys that's what they're doing that's awesome that's awesome and friends don't forget i mean you can find out more about january spring online at januaryspring.com but also um, i know charity pretty well and one of the things she's not only really great at but she loves to do is strategize brainstorm with you and come up with stuff um, at least, um, at least that's how I feel about you, uh, Charity, that you love to do that stuff. <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. I let me build you marketing personas. I'm such a geek that way. That's awesome. That's great. So friends, um, reach out to, uh, to Charity and to her cast and crew at January spring. They'd love to, uh, help you make money. That's the uh, goal. And, um, and Charity, thanks so much for being a supporter of the podcast and for always uh, getting on and sharing some great stuff. Thank you, Ryan. All right, friends, that is the show for this month. Thanks so much. Keep your listener questions coming in uh, to Ryan at RyanDorn.com, Ryan at RyanDorn. And, of course, uh, free webinars and all kinds of great information over at 360AdSales.com, 360AdSales.com. And, of course, I uh, can't uh, wrap up the show without saying a special thanks to Mike, uh, Kevin, the cast and crew over there at open-look.com, Open Look Business Solutions, Charity, Shannon, everybody over at January Spring, they're amazing. And of course, my friends over at Mirabelle Technologies, the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. So if you need anything from me, folks, reach out to me. I'm booking right now for the fall of the year. So if you need me to come train your teams or speak at your conference or something like that, be sure to reach out to me. And I'm always happy to uh, always happy to come and be a part, whatever it is that you've got going on. Friends, don't forget, if ad sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not. So we're either crazy, <laughs> which is possible, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless you. Get out there on the street and sell something. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Ad Sales Nation 